Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
The discordant music of unrest filled the city streets. After Wesley and Voren caught a glimpse of Moffat, they tried to tail him. The going was difficult. They navigated a multitude of snaking alleyways and segued through various crumbling buildings to avoid the chaos wrought by some shadowy figure that was wreaking havoc upon the city. It was hard to see what it was specifically doing, but its antics had attracted a small army of Chimerith, who bounded through the streets like wrecking balls, smashing anything in their way. After following the path of destruction, they finally happened upon the aftermath of a brutal battle. Arcos, the chimera that had chaperoned them around the city, had apparently ascertained the thing causing mayhem. Their friend, Salvatore. They weren't sure how he had done it, but Wesley was convinced it had something to do with the experiments that Alaric had mentioned. The realization caused Wesley's stomach to sink. Somewhere in the depths, loitering like some hungry eel, was Hesperius, ready to drag Wesley down deeper. <laughs> Perhaps that whiny little thing will be useful now. But oh, do I wonder what horrible things they did to him. Your kind is so sentimental when losing an aspect of their precious humanity. <laughs> do you think he looks the same? <laughs> I hope he's monstrous. Maybe that'll distract from his mommy issues. <laughs> You're despicable, you know that? So you've told me on multiple occasions. You're not the first, of course. Thousands of others have said the same thing, right before I show them just how despicable I could really be. Wesley ignored the ancient thing, letting it dwell silently in its bastion of mental ether, basking in Wesley's conjured sorrow. Vorn and Wesley followed Arcos, who was accompanied by the bell fiend known as Callista. They tracked them for a bit, but wandering Belfine and Chimerath often caused them to reroute and scamper down side alleyways like rats trying to avoid prowling cats. Eventually, they could follow the sounds of destruction from somewhere deeper in the city, a familiar place they'd been before, the Council of the Five Gloros. When they arrived, the place was already under assault. Walls had been blown out, and fires licked the sky where the flames had breached the place's ceilings and windows. What the hell is going on? I... I haven't the faintest clue. The two noticed crowds forming around the structure, maintaining a healthy distance. When the cacophony began to die, the Chimerith curiously ceased rushing into the place, staying idle, cutting off the crowds. Then, something curious happened. The large metallic doors parted, and Moffat strolled out, accompanied by Alaric. The two looked out into the crowds and, upon Moffat's eyes catching Wesley's, waved him over. Wesley looked at Foran. What should we do? There's no telling what he's up to. Jesus, by his company, it looks like he's been working with the Belfine the entire fucking time. I don't know, but we need to make a decision fast before... Suddenly, a mountain of monstrous muscles stepped before them, looking down at them with a restrained loathing. Then the Chimera spoke. Come with me. Mr. Moffat wishes to see you. I told you that fucking piece of shit was a traitor! You should have killed him when you had the chance! We'll go along with this fucking walking corpse, and then we'll kill the lot of them, including Moffat. I'm going to enjoy peeling his flesh from his bones while he screams, stopping only to be muffled by the bleeding skin I've stuffed down his throat. 
Wesley couldn't help but agree with Hesperius and do what the monster insisted. What other explanation was there? Vorin and Wesley put their heads down and solemnly walked behind the lumbering thing. As they got closer, Wesley could see the glowing simper of Moffat, a beaming grin of self-satisfaction. He could feel Hesperius inside, roiling, anxious to get his claws and teeth into Moffat. Moffat and Alaric greeted the two men as they walked up the steps. Gentlemen, it's been a bit. I'm glad to see you up and about. Please, join us inside. Wesley couldn't contain his rage. You sniveling fucking backstabber! Was this your plan the whole time? Betray us to these fucking abominations? And for what? What are they giving you and your fucking shitty family, huh? You at least owe us an explanation, you goddamn traitor. Moffat simply smiled as if he was delighted in the spectacle. Come now, Mr. Morgan. I would have thought you'd known me better by now. Although, I must admit, I do revel in proving you wrong. Come with me. Moffat and Alaric, who were surprisingly silent, turned and entered the building, Wesley and Vorn following the Chimerith, who was closing the massive doors behind them. Immediately, it was clear a significant battle had taken place. Huge holes were open in the ground, as if something behemoth had bursted up from beneath. The walls were punctured with large carbon-scored holes, and blood and other viscous fluids painted the floors, walls, and ceilings. There was a pressure to the air, a disquiet that wandered the rooms like haunting phantoms. As he went, the smell of ozone and sulfur seeped into his nostrils, the effulgence of hell. Eventually, they reached what used to be a large steel door that led to the main chambers, but it had been torn apart, parts of it still dripping hot slag. But as he and Vorin passed through the wrecked threshold, it wasn't the destruction or piles of rent flesh and bodies scattered around the floor, but the figure looming in the corner, smoke emanating from his scarred mouth, that took their attention. River, my god, is it really you? old man where have you been how did you how did you live we thought you river signed up a storm his gaze often landing on the belfine gloros that now stood still and stoic in the room there was something different about them something oddly ubiquitous before they were more lively and more individualized but now they seemed almost the same a uniform expression on the same face finally a handful of chimeras stood in the middle of the room, covered in crimson stains and the torn flesh of their enemies, which, from the looks of it, were other chimeras. Wesley noticed Arco standing before them, his chest heaving, glowering at his masters. What the hell is going on, Moffat? What, what is this? This, my dear, is the fruit of much labor. What are you talking about? What's going on? What? Why are the Gloros and the Chimerith not attacking? Ah, yes. Well, the Belfine have had a change of heart, you could say. Alaric stepped forward and looked at Wesley. Your friend and I struck a bargain, you see. One that was mutually beneficial to both parties. Wesley noticed the man's voice was not his own, but a conglomeration of voices. He looked down and indeed saw the strange umbilical of the Umbarian flowing out from Alaric's body stretching out onto the other Belfine. We were there when we first met. When the hell did you make a deal, Moffat? The night before, 
I knew our friend here was coming for us that night, to kill us, like all those who trespass into its home. So, while you slept, I decided to meet it head-on and propose a deal that it couldn't refuse. One that ensured us our lives, and one that ensured it a kingdom. Wesley looked at Moffat with a glance that was unsure of itself, not knowing whether it should convey gratitude or disgust. Instead, he chose to leave the two men and see his friend Riva, who, by some miracle, had come back from the dead. Riva! My God! Jesus, it's good to see you. We thought we lost you. The two men embrace, genuinely happy for the presence of the other. How the hell did you make it? We, we saw you and all those scorched children fall. Riva began to rigorously sign. He says that he was surrounded by Amar's children once they hit the bottom. He thought for sure he was dead, but then the creature from the cave burst through the ground and took him under. He can't remember the days after, but when he woke up, his wounds were nearly healed. And then he was told the plan. Moffat's plan. River rolled his eyes a bit and nodded. That conniving fucking prick who should strangle the life from him, eat his insides while he caramels to whatever god he serves. Well, we are free. At what cost, little Wesley? He must have known about River's close call, yes. And what of your friend, dear Salvador? He knew what would happen to him, and chose not to say anything. He let them torture your dear friend, turn him into a monster. You know, you become quite the humanitarian when it means killing Cyrus. I'm not so stupid as to fall for your false sympathies. I couldn't give a shit about your friends, little Wesley. I would sooner see them splayed out and open for the vultures than see them draw their next breath. But you know what I'm saying is true. He's manipulated you this whole time. He lies and lies and lies until he gets what he wants. On that topic, after all this time, he's never once divulged why he's here. You're just fucking pawns, Wesley. Little disposable things he moves across the board. You know I'm right. We need to make our own plans. Dispose of him. Leave his entrails for the crows to feast upon. Wesley ignored Hesperius. Not because he was wrong, but because he could very well be right. But he didn't want to deal with that right now. He still wasn't sure what was happening. Looking around, Wesley was suddenly assaulted by a certain absence. Where the hell is Salvatore? A frown crossed Riva's face, and he pointed toward the long, polished wood table where the Gloros would have their meetings. It somehow survived the destruction. Jesus! Salvatore! Wesley and Vorin ran over to Salvatore's prone form, beaten almost beyond recognition. Wesley immediately felt for a pulse and miraculously found one. His face was swollen, black and blue marks punctuating his flesh as if they were a pox. Blood and cuts seemed to be everywhere, decorating his body like some kind of abstract artwork. He was breathing, though, and that's all that mattered. Sal, buddy, can, can you hear me? There was a subtle movement of recognition, one of his swollen eyes partially opening. There was something different about them. They were more profound, blacker, shapes writhing in the nebula of his irises. Finally, his blood-stained lips parted. Uh, I'm... I'm okay. Just, uh, just went a few rounds with that, with that gland case over there. 
Wesley looked over at the looming monstrosity, Arcos, who still glared with a barely restrained hatred. Your lucky Master Callista stopped me when she did, or you'd be little more than a stain. <coughs> yeah, yeah, whatever you fucking mutant Lufrigno looking fuckface. Wesley looked over to Alaric and Moffat. And what about the Chimerith? What the hell are we gonna do about them? When the Belphine created them, they made sure to establish an unbreakable psychic bond with them, hijacking their most vital neurosubstrates. The Chimerith cannot disobey unless they want their brains to melt. Isn't that right, Arcos? The behemoth thing glared at the thing that used to be Alaric and growled. Yes. At that moment, Wesley felt a twinge of sympathy for the creatures. They were born into bondage, psychically shackled to their insidious masters, forced to do their bidding. He couldn't help but feel for Arcos. He and his kind had gone from one slave owner to another. They are now part of my army, along with the thousands of other Belfin at my command. This city is mine. The other Belfin, of course, have their own minds, but they will not be the wiser to their superiors' replacements. Why exactly do you want an army? I thought you wanted to go back to Arthos. I'm afraid that was a bit of necessary misdirection. There was never a device here to transport us to our respective homes. That little eye was to simply ensure you'd get on board. No, this is my home now, and I seek to make it mine. All of it. But why? What the hell is here worth ruling? That is a long and complicated story, Dr. Morgan. One I do not wish to discuss. But you can take solace that you will be under my protection from now on. Provided Mr. Moffat keeps his promise and helps me conquer Gaon. Wesley was taken aback, staring at Moffat, shooting daggers through him. You what? Moffat cocked his head as if not understanding Wesley's dismay. Would you like to continue treading across this hellscape alone? Exposed to whatever other abominations are out there waiting for us. It's a mutually beneficial agreement. We now have the protection of a substantial force. I don't understand the grievance. Wesley exploded. Of course you don't, because you fucking Moffats just do whatever the hell you want, moving people about like fucking chess pieces. Tell me, did you know Rivo was going to almost die? Did you know what they were going to do to Sal? Did you put us all at risk just so you could implement your fucking plan? Conspire with this this fucking thing? Moffat winced briefly, but then repositioned his arrogant facade, looking at Wesley as if he was an ignorant child. You still don't seem to understand, Dr. Morgan, that hard decisions must be made to secure our lives. Would you rather I had told you what would happen, face the black chasms of uncertainty, and potentially fall to their perils? And, of course, if one of you should perish, you would look to me and say, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you see it coming? You people want the results without any responsibility. You want to circumnavigate the rules of the cosmos just to claim some kind of free choice in the matter. But I'm here to tell you, Dr. Morgan, your desires mean very little in the grand scheme of things. They are mere breaths in a hurricane. If I had not done what I'd done, you would almost likely be dead myself included. Unlike you, who blunders his way forward, blissfully ignorant of what's to come, I must have to mountain 
and somehow sculpt it into a shape that will benefit us. So, if you're looking for an apology, I'm afraid you will be left empty-handed, as I have none to tender. Wesley and Moffat glared at one another. Wesley's eyes seized with hatred, no doubt assisted by the brewing animus within the black spaces of his subconscious, where Hesperius dwelt. My friends, I understand there have been disagreements about this deception, but I assure you we will both benefit from the results. The Prince of Snakes holds this land in his death grip. How long do you think before he sets his eyes on your world? In fact, I have it on good authority that he has already made plans to do just that. But please, rest. There are accommodations on the upper floors of the building. Your friend Salvatore will need to heal. I will tend to his wounds for the next few days. After that, we can discuss future plans, yes? The group nodded, Wesley and Moffat discontinuing their glares. The Gloros, known as Ravina, picked up Salvatore with her myriad mechanical appendages and waved the group to follow her. The men did so, leaving the lingering Chimera to their new master. The newly reunited men went up several staircases, the whole place a testament to the Balfine's unbridled opulence. However, it still had all the practical furnishings of a scientific mind, electronic accoutrements bedecking the hallways, organic ornamentation used for God knows what. Ravina opened one of the doors to the left and began to enter. Choose any rooms you'd like. We'll convene in the morning. The men nodded once more. They stood alone in the throat of the hallway, looking at one another. Moffat. Yes, for. What on earth was that for? I told you back in the pits of Dyer that if I found out you knew what happened to River, there'd be hell to pay. I'm just following through on that promise. Your lucky River took me out of doing more. Ugh. I... I suppose that's fair. Dr. Morgan, I know you're just dying to get in your licks. Kill him! Throttle him! Tear his eyes out and piss in his empty sockets! Wesley just sneered and went through one of the adjacent doors, the voice in his head cursing him for not beating Moffat to a bloody pulp. Riva and Voren did the same, leaving Moffat to get up on his own and, eventually, stumble into a room of his own. As Moffat readied himself for bed, thoughts of the last few weeks tumbled through his head. He understood the other's anger, even anticipated it. And despite revealing his latest scheme to them, he still hadn't told them everything. Indeed, there were aspects he was vague on. For instance, he could have spared Salvatore the pain of his transformation. There was a way to get him through the situation without being experimented on. But then, what would happen to him after? The rest of the team couldn't bring themselves to admit that Salvatore dying was just a matter of time. At each juncture, the man was at the mercy of whatever evils they had encountered. His death was sadly inevitable. But the Belfine's project presented a unique opportunity to spare him that fate, or at least give him a fighting chance. It was just yet another moral dilemma he was forced to face alone. Of course, he could have told the others, who would have inevitably decried the possibility of letting him go through the procedure. Still, then, 
when he eventually died, they'd lament his loss and regret their decision. No, it was better that they not carry that burden. Cyrus laid down upon the soft material of the bed, his mind wandering backwards. With every secret he held was a friendship he could never have, a bond that would be forever broken. As he closed his eyes, his thoughts wandered to a particularly dark memory. do we owe this honor? A Moffat, a fellow string puller, wandering into our part of the woods. A rather brazen gesture, considering who you're dealing with. Let's just say I have it on good authority that I'll be fine. A rather arrogant presumption, but I wouldn't expect anything less from a Moffat. So tell me, Lantern Bearer, what brings you here? A favor, not a big one. Maybe even one you'll enjoy. <laughs> in what, pray tell, makes you think you're in a position to make requests? Why shouldn't I make you another one of my playthings? Watch you dangle forever on strings, dance upon one of my many stages. Well, for one, a Muffet would owe you a favor. Not an opportunity that comes along often. But... I can also make your inhabitants here very difficult. Right now, the Magic Lantern Club has other priorities, but they can quickly fix their light upon the Kinderman Woods, perhaps even getting the Esoterium involved. <laughs> and what makes you think our strings haven't made their way into that little clandestine group of mystics, hmm? You forget, little Moffat, while you plan your moves ten steps ahead. My master's scheming is unfathomable, but a favor from the Moffats does sound enticing, so I'll entertain your request. Well, I certainly appreciate that. My request is quite simple. All I ask is that you harass one of your previous victims a bit. I need them to do something, but they need the proper motivation to do so. <laughs> In our request. It certainly is, but I've made all the necessary arrangements for their trip. All I need is for them to agree to go, but like I said, they need a bit of goosing. Perhaps visit him with those you took from him. And who might this mystery man be? A one Dr. Wesley Morgan. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anslone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythologies, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Meltopia, visit us at Meltopia.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 